Welcome back to Vince Levin's From the Edge podcast. This is Jeremy Glazer, the co-chair of the Vince Levin Venture Capital and Emerging Company Practice. Vince Levin is a nationally leading law firm focused on helping emerging growth companies achieve success. Check us out at mincedge.com. Well, I am pleased to welcome back J.D. Davids. J.D. was on an earlier podcast where we focused principally on raising money from angel investors. On today's podcast, we will tap into J.D.'s extensive experience to learn how entrepreneurs can best identify and attract top-notch venture capital investors. As a quick reminder of J.D.'s background, J.D. has been working in the startup world for over 26 years as a founder, CEO, chief financial officer, and chief operating officer, also acting as board member and advisor. He has served on the management teams of eight venture-backed companies with six exit events, including IPOs and mergers and acquisition exits. As the founder and managing partner of Smart Money Startups, JD's mission is to guide entrepreneurs along their journey from idea to exit and beyond with a combination of education, coaching, and CEO peer group mastermind sessions. Well, JD, we're so glad to have you back. Uh, the last podcast was really interesting and I'm very excited to focus uh, on venture capital and how entrepreneurs can raise venture capital money on this podcast. Excellent. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Well, let's start by introducing how is it different? How is it different when you're raising money from venture capitalists as opposed to angel investors? So the primary difference between venture capitalists and angel investors are, number one, there's a mandate to invest. In other words, angel investors don't necessarily have to write a check to anybody, but venture capitalists are professional investors. They are not allowed to not do deals, right? Because they have limited partners that put in a certain amount of money and they have a 10 year life and they typically spend a few years investing, you know, the, the new money into new companies. And, and so there's a mandate to invest. And so it is a little bit easier to actually get them across the term sheet line and have a little bit more clarity in terms of whether they're going to do a deal or not. The second thing is that they have a team. So it, with an angel environment, typically you're dealing one-on-one -on -one with an individual. But with a VC fund, there are multiple people that are involved in the process, and there's good and bad with that. The positive part is that there are associates in the fund that you can get to a little bit easier and actually have an open dialogue with and get some brainstorming ideas from them. The bad part is, getting an investment approved once you have a lead partner that is behind it, it becomes political inside the organization. So that's the downside of it. The last thing that I'll say about VCs versus angels is that it's easier to get detailed information about the fund, about the portfolio, about the partners, and it's easier to sort of quote unquote do background checks on them to make sure that the person that invest in your company when they get in your boardroom that they're just as nice as they were when you were pitching. That's a really good point. So what you're saying is that it's actually easier to identify venture capitalists than angels in general because of the availability of information. Yes. Wonderful. So again, the last time you were on, we talked a little bit about what a company needs to do to get ready to raise financing. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing to get ready when you're raising angel money. But now when you're going out to venture capitalists, right? much more sophisticated, institutional investors. What are the things that a company needs to be doing before they reach out to those venture capital investors to get ready to meet them and present to them? The first thing is to actually have a written plan, a roadmap. 
a fundraising roadmap. And what I'm talking about is every single startup company has some form of a written product roadmap. You list out the features that you're going to release, when, about how many engineers you need, about how long it's going to take, what order you're going to do, and what are the release dates, right? And when it comes to your staffing plan, okay, if we're going to go raise $5 million, here's kind of a general idea of who we're going to hire and when and why and how much we're going to pay them. But when it comes to fundraising, nobody does a written plan. It is the most important thing for a company because it could be the success or failure of the company. Getting the right investors is absolutely critical. So, I mean, I was in the Marine Corps and you don't just go marching into the Korindal Valley of Afghanistan without a written plan because you're going to get shot. <laughs> and the same thing with VCs. If you, you know, in fact, if you have a sort of scattered or a shotgun approach to venture capital and you don't have a written plan, they're going to begin to ask themselves, well, is this how they do business? They just kind of shoot from the hip. So you've got to have a roadmap. And that's exactly what we provide is just a five phase roadmap that starts with a target list. And that's the most important thing is don't go pitching investors that number one, they don't have dry, dry powder. What I mean by that is if they're in year nine <laughs> of a 10 year fund and they haven't raised the next fund yet, they'll probably take a meeting with you but it might not be the best use of your time. So that's some of the things. I mean, bottom line, have a roadmap, work, build a plan, work the plan. It's very simple. So this is, this is great. So let's talk about the plan because it sounds like what you're saying is having that plan is gonna make you more successful, at least increase the likelihood of success at getting to the right VCs and getting their attention. Absolutely. So, so, let's, so let's talk about the aspects of that plan that you've seen companies that have been successful Put in place. Walk us through kind of what a plan would look like that increases your likelihood of success. Exactly. So you've heard the phrase, you know, trust the process, right? And process and structure is your friend. The reason that it's so important is because if you don't have a process, you're going to waste a lot of time. And as the CEO of a startup company, time is your most valuable asset. And every hour that is inefficient in the fundraising process is an hour that you could have put into research and development, product development, customer development, building your team. So you can use the scattered approach without a plan if you'd like, but it's wasting your most valuable assets. So it's pretty simple, you know, build a plan, work the plan. So give us some details. So when we say a plan, right? Mm -hmm. what, what does that mean? What am, I, what am I building? Right, so you basically map out the steps from identifying your investors all of the way through the close, right? There are five primary phases of it. Number one is the foundation of every good sales and marketing plan, which is exactly what this is, is a target list of the most likely buyers of the product that you're selling. In this case, you're selling a stock of a stack of stock certificates, right? Mm -hmm. We know that you're going to sell somewhere between 20 to 30 percent of your company in each round. Those are averages. So let's pick the middle, let's say 25%, right? And just for the sake of discussion, let's say you're selling a box full of 25,000 stock certificates, mm -hmm. right? I want people to imagine that as a box, put the certificates in a box, put a bow on it. That is a product. Yep. Now you're selling it. So it's a, it's a campaign plan, it's a marketing campaign plan just like any others. Good salespeople know that the first thing you do, you don't just go start taking meetings and asking around. You build a target list of the most likely buyers of your product, in this case, the most likely investors to buy the stock, right? And so the foundation is a target list. That's phase one. 
Phase two is get warm introductions. And we can talk more specifically about that, but there's a lot of, we've identified a number of specific ways to get warm introductions that are not necessarily obvious to everybody. Mm-hmm. Phase three is your outbound email campaign, your initial outreach of phone calls and emails and so forth, and the warm introductions are an important part of that. Thirdly, it is the, the visibility campaign. So if the only thing you do to get visible in front of investors is email and phone calls and, you know, industry conferences, okay, but you should also be using social media and other methods of being visible in front of them. And then the last phase is getting the deal momentum to get investors out of meeting mode and into term sheet mode. And we have a variety of different ways where you can actually push a close because it's actually in both people's best interests to either do a deal or not. Really interesting, really great the way you lay out these five steps. So one part you talked about was reaching out to the investors. Mm -hmm. So I assume somewhere between you identifying the target list and figuring out who's going to make the warm introduction and then doing that email, right? Someone's working on an exact summary, a PowerPoint. Do you help with that? So. Yeah, I mean, that's just a given. That's the only reason I didn't state that uh, uh, specifically. But yes, we do. Most people come to us with some form of executive summary and pitch deck. And most people have rewritten it a number of times based on feedback from other people. What we do is we just put a fresh set of eyes on it. We, you know, we we go through it and we provide feedback in, in one of our meetings. And so usually it's more a matter of you know, upgrading what you already have. And it's just not, it's usually not a matter of just starting over from scratch because, you know, most of the people that we work with at least have something to start with. Mm -hmm. How many of them show up and already have an idea of the kind of venture capital firms that they think are a good fit? A lot of people think that they do, but when we show them our process of how to be very specific in targeting the right VCs, they're like, oh my gosh, I wish we would have met you six months ago. Um, For example, one client that came to us about a year ago, he came in and he had a list of like 300 venture funds that said that they invest in IoT um, because he, you know, he went on the internet and said, show me all the VC investors that put money into IoT. Well, just because they list IoT as one of their categories does not make them the right investor for you. Um, And so you have to be more targeted. The approach that we take is to actually begin with the end in mind we reverse engineer an exit event. What I mean by that is, before we start doing anything with an entrepreneur, we say, what is your end game? What do you wanna do? Some people are dead set on, we are gonna become a unicorn and we're not gonna stop, we're not gonna pull our foot off the gas pedal until we get there. Okay, great, then I know exactly which type of investor to go after. Then you've got other people that'll say, well, you know, we'd like to go public, but we're probably gonna end up being acquired by a strategic and we know where to go to do that as well. And then you got others that are like, you know, actually, I would love to just, you know, raise less than $5 million and sell this thing for $50 million in two years. And, and then I want to go do something else. Okay, well, that's great because each of those three different end games or endpoints will necessarily point you towards very different investors. And there are investors for each one of those. So that's very different than just going on the internet and saying, show me all the IoT venture capitalists. <laughs> right. So you and I have seen people succeed in raising venture capital. We've seen them also fail. Mm-hmm. And there's probably a lot of examples you could give of things that really don't play to an entrepreneur's strength in reaching out to VCs. 
If you don't mind, just for the benefit of our listeners, share a couple of things that you've seen entrepreneurs do that you would tell an entrepreneur, like, don't do this, it's not gonna work for you. Sure, um, I'll leave company names out, but I can give you specific examples. Um, one that comes to mind in particular is that they didn't spend any time on developing customers. All they did was develop investor relationships. And so when they followed up with somebody that took a meeting with them, they didn't have any new information to tell them. So traction, traction, traction. Another one is not getting warm introductions. If you don't get a warm introduction to a VC, and I've heard people say this on panels in public, if you're not creative enough to find at least a lawyer who has done a deal with me and get a warm introduction, I worry about the way that you're going to try to get the door open at customers. It's kind of unsophisticated. I don't mean that offensively, but when, you know, everybody knows the percentages. Very few people actually get meetings and even fewer actually get a deal. So you really need every advantage you can get. And that's kind of a rookie mistake not to get warm introductions. It just it shows a lack of creativity and sophistication. And probably the most common one is that they raise angel money or seed money from a hodgepodge of relatively unknown investors. And so even if the VC is interested in the deal and they like your team, you've got a cluttered up cap table that just says, risk, risk, risk all over it. And they've got 12 other deals that are in the pipeline that they're in active due diligence with. And if, you, if you've got a cluttered up cap table, then it's not that your deal is bad, it is compared to what? Because if you've got somebody else that has a really clean cap table with a few seed investors that they've done business with before, they recognize their names, or they're very active in the industry, it's just, it's all about risk reduction. And if you get a bunch of, you know, if you get 56 shareholders that are each put in, you know, $25,000 a piece or whatever, and they don't know who the heck they are, that's, you know, 55 shareholder lawsuits waiting to happen. And so you don't want to scare investors away. And once you jack up your cap table, it's hard to undo that. Yeah, this, this is actually goes into that sort of heading of things that I tell people. You don't want to give the venture capitalists reasons to say no. Exactly. And certainly a cap table with a lot of individuals gives them a reason to say no. If you've raised money from angel investors at a very high valuation, mm -hmm. so there's concern now that when the venture capitalists come in at a more typical venture capital valuation mm -hmm. that the folks who came in early, even if it's a small number, are going to be upset, potentially sue, you know, create problems. So there, there, I, think, I think that's a good example of, so you've talked about process, but now you're talking about that there's even some substantive things within your company as an entrepreneur that you need to be aware of so that you don't make yourself sort of non-investable. Investors and lawyers talk about this all the time. Every deal has warts. But the question is how many warts or, you know, it's got some hair on the deal is one of the phrases that we typically use. And you want to try to have as little hair on the deal as possible because, again, you're, compar you're being compared to a lot of other deals. And this is why it's important to be deliberate about your fundraising efforts. And all of those things that we just talked about, that is spending time and money on things that have nothing to do with getting customers. So all of that is a distraction. So don't make distractions. It's kind of like a self-inflicted wound, right? And to some degree, again, it's kind of rookie mistakes. Mm -hmm. So you've kind of laid out this five-step plan. Smart Money Startups, really, you, you developed this because you have worked with a lot of venture capitalists. You've worked with a lot of companies raising money from venture capitalists. You've seen how people do it right. You've seen how people do it wrong. And I know that you have a passion 
for helping entrepreneurs succeed. You want to give them the benefit of all your years of experience. So tell me a little bit about the different services that Smart Money Startups is offering to people to help them learn those five steps and how can they get access to that program? Sure. We offer a free workshop primarily in the form of a webinar. Um, we do them in person sometimes, but we typically have one to two free webinar workshops uh, per month. And we basically lay out the roadmap of, you know, here's the five phases and here's how you can build your own roadmap. We also typically give people a free, you know, a target investor template for exactly how to conduct the research. And so for a number of people that participate in our workshops, they, you know, they learn how to do it and they pick up the ball and they run with it and that's great. And then they, they usually come back and they want advice on, okay, well, you know, now I'm halfway into the deal and I, I did exactly what you said, but now like I got this term sheet I don't know what to do with, or I've got these three investors and I'm oversubscribed. How do I deal with that? And so that's why we offer a monthly membership program so that we have a mastermind group as well so that people can not just figure out, okay, well, here's the recipe and I'll go do it myself. But, you know, it, it's like, okay, if you want some help, some coaching on how to drive that Ferrari, I can show you, you know, and, you know, you can read the manual or you can have me sitting in the chair next to you. Sure. So, so people can do free seminars mm -hmm. and that's all on the web mm -hmm. or they can go ahead and become kind of a regular monthly member. Yeah. So we have two packages. We have one package that is the fundraising campaign program and we provide basically we put together the entire campaign and we guide you through the process we show you specifically how to get warm introductions for example one of the things that we do as part of the fundraising campaign program is that we actually sit down with the co-founders and any of the investors or mentors or the attorneys and we have that short list of 20 targeted investors we get everybody on a conference call and we literally have each person open up their linkedin and we go one name at a time down it and then one of our associates takes notes on okay who are the warm introductions 100 percent of the time we have at least one connection sure. through a warm introduction 85 percent of the time we have at least two or three so i love how scientific this is you know as i listen to you describing this process you know i think about how i've been helping companies you know raise vc money get introduced to vcs for 30 plus years and we kind of we kind of danced around this issue, but it was never structured and organized as, a, as what I hear you're doing. And I just think it's really valuable. Um, and, and if I was an entrepreneur sitting out there, I'd want to figure out how do I get in touch with you? So how do I get in touch with you, JD, so I can get the benefit of this? Sure, absolutely. Uh, our website is smartmoneystartups.com. I also encourage you to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, we publish a lot of free material out there. And in addition to the fundraising campaign package, we also offer a sprint program, which basically it's, it's, much, it's much lower price and it enables you to get access to our MBA associates and all of our materials and me as well, where there's a weekly webinar and we give you all of the materials. And so there's, there's a sprint program for building your own campaign, or you can have us build your campaign and help you launch it. So. Uh, smartmoneystartups.com with an S and my email is very simple it's just JD at smartmoneystartups.com and uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn pretty easily and uh, I always like to connect with people on there and see what kind of articles they're publishing as well because I just love being in the conversation. Well that's great well JD you know, thank you so much for you know committing this time that you do to entrepreneurs to helping educate them about how to raise money how to be more effective and more efficient and I think the overlay you've put over it 
and it's, it sounds so obvious when you say it, but I think people don't think about it, mm -hmm. is that it really is just a sales process. Yeah. And just giving people that discipline and helping them understand that process is really valuable. Thank you for doing that. Absolutely. And I, it, it makes it more efficient on both sides of the equation because the VCs don't want to take meetings that aren't a good fit either. So hopefully the entire ecosystem benefits. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for, for being back with us. We're definitely going to have you back to talk about other issues that are important to entrepreneurs that get the benefit of your great experience. So again, thank you, JD of Smart Money Starbucks for being with us. This is Jeremy Glazer of Men's Levin, and thank you for listening to this edition of From the Edge. Mm -hmm.